When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Destiny is not in their hands, but the mission is clear. Win your last two, and there's a good chance on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City! Wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. Tirecito y gol! Gol! New York City is el campeón de Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's gonna be sick. I'm Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramowitz, uh, your commentators on the radio side for New York City FC. Roberto on the Spanish, myself on the English. Welcome back to another NYC FC Views as New York City prepares for what are, uh, well, every game uh, has become more and more important as this season has closed in order to qualify for the playoffs. And uh, an agonizing view for me i'm not sure what game you were watching last night. i mean you could watch multiple games i guess you could but i wasn't yeah so i was on the cf montreal houston game myself okay. and uh i know a lot of people were watching chicago miami for good reason too Sixty-two thousand at soldier yeah. field we'll get into that a little bit but uh, yeah watching the game houston's really has for the most part outplaying uh montreal throughout it's at stad saputo and then all of a sudden Montreal scores late, Lapalainen, and New York City goes from control of your own destiny. And Because I was looking at it, I was like, wow, if this result stands, you win your last two, you're in. Now you win your last two, and good chance you're in, but things have to happen. It's not, it's Roberto, not guaranteed. Right? I was watching D.C. in Austin. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I was because that that's was another also, one. Since okay, we, well, because also, we, you know, New York we've City got DC plays United, D.C., so I figured do a yeah. little... Uh, yeah, but that, that kicked off an hour later, so you yeah, could have watched uh, I, I could have watched yeah. part of it. I don't yeah. know what else I was doing. But anyway, uh, <laughs> watching something. Else. I was constructing I a bed frame. Was. I, I was, was in my garage. I was constructing good. a bed frame for a futon. You know when they send you these kits yeah. and, they, and, and when you order them, it, they say, uh, you know, easily constructed in 10 minutes. It, I, I, look, I'm not adept at all this, that's but it took me, me 90 minutes yeah, to do the. Me. Don't tell me 10 minutes and then it's 90. But anyway, so you're watching DC. So I was watching the DC yeah. game for more more than anything else, and uh, hey, they didn't look very good. No, eh? they did. No. They, did. I mean, because they're playing a a poor Austin team yeah. that is, uh, I mean, on the outside looking in for the playoffs. But they're um, still they're still but, right there. Everybody's everybody except well, no. for Colorado is there. Well, and then the yeah, Galaxy true. wound up losing in the last minute last night. I did see that game. And so that cost them a point. But, I mean, everybody else is still Well, still how about alive. all these teams? Are, yeah, in the West, a lot of teams qualified last night. Yeah. Five additional teams. Uh, I'm just trying to bring it up here real quick. Five additional teams in addition to St. Louis that had already clinched. So one through six with Houston number six is done. 
Portland right now is in the seventh position, and then it's San Jose, Dallas, 8 9, and then Austin is three points back. Sporting KC three but points back. But also Austin, not, not only are they three points back, but they've played one more game. So Dallas has three games to go, and that's key for them. Meanwhile, Austin and everybody else around them only have two. So Charlotte with three. If we go back to the East and, and the effect on New York City FC, Charlotte has three matches left. So they have a game in hand on the field. Yes. If they were to win all three, and two of them are against Miami in a home-and-home, home, Yes then they would eclipse the maximum points that New York City could even get. And then the other team to look at is CF Montreal. They have two matches remaining. So what we know is clear. If Charlotte and Montreal sweep and get three points, three wins for Charlotte, two wins for Montreal, uh, then New York City's out. It's done. Yeah. Put a fork in them. Well, but So here's the situation. So this is what New York City does control. Okay, They can fully eliminate D.C. United by beating them on Saturday. They can fully eliminate the Chicago Fire by beating them the following Saturday. They could use uh, for the best case scenario for New York City right now is that either the Fire tie or beat Charlotte and or they drop points against Inter-Miami. Now, Inter-Miami is going to lose Farias, is going to lose Messi to the national team. So I don't know how many games that winds up affecting Inter-Miami. They looked pretty bad last night against Chicago. Chicago blew them off the field, uh, which a record crowd, over 62,000 people at Soldier Field. Crazy. Um, they, yeah, well, they, they expected to see Messi at the end of the day. They, they did showed it, up anyway. They, they knew he wasn't anyway. going to play. Yeah. Right, but yeah. they showed up anyway, yeah, and yeah. I'm happy. And then yep. Chicago offered all the people that showed up that I guess were there for Chicago, you know, an opportunity to buy season tickets at a discount and giving them money back. There was a whole bunch of things that they try to do, you know, to make it better. For <laughs> the, them my, my favorite tweet of the week yeah. came from a supporter uh, of the fire. Uh, when this discount offer uh, it was publicized, and they go, "What about the other thirty-one games? <laughs> can we? Well, yeah, of course, that's not all home, but uh, yeah. you know, can we? Uh, can we be accredited for those as well? But anyway, it, it, did, <laughs> it, it didn't happen. And look, and then Chicago went out and put on a really good performance. Shakiri yep. had a couple of goals, uh, and so um, you know, good for them. And we hope." you know, for Chicago's sake, that uh, some people decide to sign up for season tickets and, uh, you know, there's more people yeah. showing up at Soldier Field next year. Yeah, uh, we're, we would always hope. And, and you came up with a stat uh, that you just saw um, as you were scrolling s social media, I think, that it was the largest average midweek attendance in MLS history. Is that yeah, what you said? Yeah, over, over 25,000, and the and previous record the was over 23. Okay. So it was interesting, though, because yeah. there was a lot of games where they weren't highly attended. Obviously, the 62,000 for Chicago skews everything. But uh, Austin had, like, a ton of empty seats. I've never seen it like that. And I don't know if it was no-shows, because when I went to look at the – um at what the attendance was they um you know it, it wasn't publicized let me see if it's here because when i looked no, last that, that night shocking it, it, it wasn't um they didn't list it yet uh yeah they listed 20,738 so that's a sellout that means that they had easily 8,000 no-shows I mean, yeah. it was empty in a lot of places. And, you know, the, the, the team is almost out of it. They wound up winning. They beat D.C. I don't know if there was a threat of thunderstorms or what the weather was like, if that had any effect on it. I really don't know. All I know is that I turned on the game because I wanted to watch that game, and there were a lot of empty seats, and it was never addressed on the air, at least from the part that I watched. I never heard them address it, and it was weird because 
you know, this is a team that's packed every single game. And then as I was scrolling through some of the other games, uh, and I saw there was a lot of empty seats. Montreal had a lot of empty seats. I think they only listed like 14,000 attending. And well, they midweek have, is no, I traditionally know, but been, it, been Yeah, difficult. I'm not going to give that as an excuse right now. And the reason yeah. that I'm not giving it as an excuse is because of the fact that all these games are do or die, right? Except for uh, a couple of teams in the league. So, yeah, 13,509 in Montreal. All right. So, uh, I mean, that wasn't good. Charlotte had a good one, but I didn't see if there was, if it was, you know, how many they no had shows 30. were there. They had, they had 30,000 plus. 30,080. Yeah. And it looked uh, like that. For their, New England didn't uh, have a lot. I think they had like 14,000, 15,000 uh, for that game. 14,144. So, this 25,000 average uh, is, is a soldier it's on field. The, it's on the, the soldier, soldier field, field bump. Yeah. Hey, so, well, let's get to. Um, uh, we're at uh, the training facility in Orangeburg, New York, uh, recording uh, this uh, episode of uh, NYCFC Views. Uh, got to observe training, which was very light today. Uh, it was uh, almost a recovery day as uh, New York City uh, really went at it hard in, in previous days, uh, including really uh, focusing on DC United yesterday. But we, we've got to go back to uh, the Inter-Miami match. And we spoke uh, to Nick Cushing. Nick Cushing, part of my exclusive pregame, which uh, you could hear 7.15 on Saturday night uh, on the NYCFC network, where you can catch both the English and Spanish um, uh, broadcasts and live commentary of the game. So kind of, yeah, I, I went as uh, direct as uh, possible with Nick and, uh, you know, he, in regard to you know, how the team felt and reacted afterwards and he talked about you know his um, personally he's a, he's a positive guy and, and he mm -hmm. individually recovers from things like that quickly and it's always about uh, the learning element uh, went into uh, specifics about Santi Rodriguez goal uh, which was the result of what had been effective all night the pressing and uh, ultimately it, it led to Rodriguez goal and he talked about Rodriguez kind of you know, individually coming up with something special when in uh, he, he didn't mention Monsef Bakrar specifically, but it was about the lack of uh, finishing and taking your chances that sometimes when that's the case and somebody's got to like take charge and, and make something happen. And, and it was Santi on this occasion. Yeah. And then I got a chance to speak exclusively with Andres Perea, and that's going to yep. be on my preview on uh, the Spanish side. And uh, I'm a little bit taken aback, but happy, right? The fact that he's really positive and he's like so looking forward to this. He said, this is what you live for, for these type of games, for this type yeah. of situation. And so uh, it was very good to, to hear him. And uh, he feels good about the team's chances about getting in and about winning these next two games. And that's what, look, New York City can only focus on that. Beat DC, beat Chicago. And then, you, you know, you, you sort of hope that uh, Charlotte or Montreal drop points along the way. As long as they, one of those teams, one of those two teams ties one of their last two games and three games, uh, Montreal has two, Charlotte has three. As long as they tie one or lose one, then uh, and New York City wins their last two. Then right. it's over. Then New right. York City's in. Yeah, so they, they still feel uh, good about their chances. As for the goal that they conceded at the end of Miami match, that was a major disappointment for Nick Cushing and, and the supporters and, and, and everyone. But for Cushing and his staff, it's uh, in particularly uh, disappointing because uh, they've improved along the way on set piece defending, yes. which was 
very poor early on. No one will deny that. And the number of goals that have been conceded in that area uh, would not uh, mention Richie Ledesma specifically, but just said, uh, talked about, um, you know, focusing and, and, and staying engaged in, in those moments and killing the game. You know, killing the game is uh, what we use in uh, the terminology in coaching is, you know, you're up, you're up a goal and you're, you do all the little things. He, he talked about a moment when the ball could have been dribbled into the corner and was not uh, playing the ball uh, to them in a, in a unforced manner. Uh, also about the Matt freeze, sending it in one hop to Drake calendar at the other end, the other goalkeeper. And who then put it right back in the in the uh, in the face of New York City, which led to the corner right, kick. So, you know what so managing is, the end of a game. Now, right. this is uh, yeah. There's but, a lot of young players out there, but right. here's one thing. And then you're on. But you know what he talked about, Matt Freeze, and that you know third straight keeper in Philadelphia came here, had to fight. Not many um, senior league games or or first team games. All that's understood. But at that moment, I'm, you know, I. It is naive, but it's also if you're a 14 year old goalkeeper, that's the kind of thing you'd, you'd want to do. You know, sometimes I think this lack of experience at the senior level is overstated because it's what you would do as a 16 year old. It's what you would do as an 18 year old. And hopefully someone has I'm sure Phil Wedden said it in Philadelphia at some point, you know, how to kill a game at the end. He's working with Andre Blake, one of the best in the league. So um, it was an unfortunate moment. Look. Maybe the ball got away from him. Maybe he struck it. Maybe he did try to punt it high in the air and let it hang for a while, mm-hmm. and he drove it instead. So it could have been a technical error, but I think it was more uh, not killing the game. Right. But it's, so here's what I want to go to. All right. So we, we established, especially in the last podcast, you know, the, the Matt Freeze punt and then uh, Richard Ledesma trying to defend Aviles. So here's my thing about about that part. Okay, Aviles is listed at 6-1. Ledesma is listed at 5-9. I don't think that Ledesma really is 5-9, but that's maybe he is. Uh, but let's say we, well, we take those we take those stats at face value and say, all right, 6-1, 5-9. If, he, if he's Why? standing on one of those platforms that you used to do, the what was that, well, step, no, step not, aerobics? Yes, then then not, maybe he's 5-9. Let, let, yeah. let's, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. Well, My I can go there. I'm... I need the I need the step, you know, in order to, you know, sometimes even uh, do an interview face to face with somebody. Yeah, but so we're not okay, talking but... about you. You don't have to make this about yourself. It's not Why about is me. it it's, always about yourself? Yeah, well, you know. Let me finish my. This point. is what happened again. You're not letting me finish my point. Go ahead. Thank you. So, organization in the back line on a set piece also means that you've got to make sure that your assignments are correct and you don't have a five, nine guy defending a six, one guy who's the tallest guy there and probably the tallest guy on the field for Miami. So it should have been either Burke Risa should have been on him or it should have been uh, Tiago Martins on him, right? Because those, I mean, although Aviles doesn't have a goal, now he does. New York one. City doesn't man mark. No, on, I, I on know, corners. but right. And so then, it's, by a, it's the way, a zonal but, area. So, but, but it was not only that, but I mean, we all thought that it was actually Joseph Martinez who scored the goal yeah. because he was there he was right and he there. was right behind him. So if Aviles didn't get the goal, Martinez would have had an opportunity to head the ball as well. So they, they all missed assignments in that area where you can let two guys. Well, we don't know be exactly. What, we don't know exactly what assignment was missed. Well, I, don't, I know that we don't know because exactly. we're not sure who was responsible we, for each zone. Exactly. So we but, don't know. But and we and being, we didn't get a, you know we didn't get a. I could have pushed a little harder, I suppose, but we didn't get a thorough explanation on it and i think uh you know at this time it's uh 
but, you know, but, but, we just have to speculate. So, right. I, and, and I'm sure that obviously in the meetings that the team had about, OK, if this situation repeats itself, what do we do? And they went over that. They understood what went wrong and what they could have done to do that better. And what you know, and as Nick continues to say, and it's true, this is a very young team and they're learning along the way and they're gathering experience from these situations. But honestly, they've lost now six points on the road in games that they had won in stoppage time and then allowed themselves to be tied. And if they don't make the playoffs or don't put themselves in a favorable position, at least in the 8-9 game, and they don't come out of that, then that is going to come back to bite them. Yep. Well, there's potential for an 8-9 game uh, at City Field or Yankee Stadium. Uh, New York City playing host of the New York Red Bulls. That, that would be fun. And our our hope that it would be inner Miami and and Messi that's uh, pretty much down the tubes I think but uh, after last night yes. yeah yeah they uh, they got the they got slaughtered last night by uh, uh, by Chicago and I, you know I, I I wanted to talk about just the preparation for DC United but it started with Matt Pilkington so he Matt is the New York City FC two coach. Uh, he's been in the academy and, and with the club since we've been here in 2015. I think I have that right. Mm-hmm. And uh, just asking about, you know, the two team is still training a little bit, but a lot of the two team players are participating in first team training uh, as well. And they served as the scout team. Uh, they played DC United while, uh, while the first team uh, attacked and defended against DC United. Uh, and, uh, one thing uh, Nick Cushing said, and he said it was, you know, they did it in isolated ways, uh, looking at particular things. But he said, MD Myers, who was the gold of boot winner in MLS Next Pro, played a great Benteke, Christian Benteke, who's going to be someone uh, that New York City is going to have to deal with. Oh, yes. Uh, statistically, the best player in the air in terms of winning duels in his own penalty area uh, than any other player uh, in MLS. So that's that's somebody um, that they're going to have to deal with. But let, let me, uh, uh, there's one other point I want to make. And I, and I think this is, uh, this is exemplary on Pilkington and New York city FC and what they're doing with this two team. Uh, Matt told me that, um, that New York city and it's pretty much by far is the way he put it, uh, played the most minutes of you 16 or 16 and 15 year olds than any team in MLS next two. And I just interviewed the Columbus crew two coach Laurent Courtois. And he said that New York city should be the team of the year because of what Matt does with playing youth. They didn't make the playoffs. They missed it uh, by a small margin, but part of that is because they're dedicated to uh, the development and the, and the playing of the, of the younger players when t- many teams across the league are literally doing whatever they can to win, and that sometimes will exclude maybe a 15 or 16 year old. The priorities are set and the priorities are proper because what you're trying to do, the whole point of a two team is to develop is to develop players for your for your primary team. That's the main thing. And so, yes, you didn't make the playoffs, but you gave kids who are 14 and 15 and 16, the Maximo Carrizos of the world, the McFarlands of the world, you know, you gave them a lot of minutes and that is going to help them develop and become better players and mature quicker. And then you're going to be able to get them up to New York city to, to play on the first team. And that, that that's what you're supposed to do. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Part of the uh, emphasis on development, uh, you wonder MD Myers, the Rutgers kid who uh, we talked about winning the gold of boot, 19 goals, eight assists. 
and or was it five assists? It was it was Tati Casianos was 19 goals, eight assists. I think MD was 19 goals, five assists for uh, his co-golden boot. But he's been training with the first team. We talked about him being part of the scout team. Now the, the, the question with him is, is he part of the team that goes to preseason? And then does he make the first team next year if if that's his choice or New York City's choice? And then maybe move into a role of uh, backup striker. Is Montsef Bakrar your talisman or is someone else brought in? You know, there's a lot of questions in that area. We know that um, the lack of depth at that position uh, has been a concern along the way. So I wonder how MD Myers will fit in. I suppose he's kind of on trial in these training sessions, too. Of course he is. I mean, he's been for everything we've been hearing, he's been getting better. So that is a really good thing. And uh, so what you want to be able to do is obviously develop these kids, right? And then you're going to see if you're going to be bringing anybody else in for next year. But, you know, I don't want to talk about next year yet because this year is still here. Uh, <laughs> the, well, the, the team has all of you know, look, look. They, if they make the playoffs, right, you make the playoffs, you're in the tournament, anything can happen. You get hot at the right time, and, I mean, New York City is unbeaten in six, if you want to look at it from the most positive point of view. They're, well, unbeaten, in, they're unbeaten in six, and they're Well, their form hot. over the last six games is tops in MLS. Yes. So that's, the, that's a fact. You're still coming off this highly disappointing uh, Yes, lo- and also tie. five of I those games were at loss, home. But uh, – and five were and at home. Five were at home. So you got to put it in context. Yes, but what what I you look can put at it in though, context. But you went to Miami and, and uh, you and you went on the front foot. And you're, I, you're, I agree. You're, the they, team is playing well. Yeah. I'm just that's, that's my point. The the context. No, your is, point was that no. it happened at home, not on no, the road. Well, so, it was. Yeah. It, 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 I know it. it, it I'm, those just, are facts. I'm just telling you, it carried but over into Miami. Wasn't well. there a big question? Would it carry over into Miami on the road? Yes. And the answer is yes. Lack of finishing. And lack of contra- concentration at the end, and yeah, it, it didn't work out. And Miami's of the only shot. Miami's only shot one on shot goal. on goal. One shot on, on goal. goal, as opposed to shots. One shot on goal. All right. Well, but speaking of shots and the rival, which is going to be DC United, now they they, they got smoked by Austin three zip. Bruin, Drusy, and Hedges scored the goals for Austin FC. But you look at the stats here. Right. And D.C. United had 19 total shots, of which eight were on target. And the, the star of the game, according to uh, Fop Mob, was Brad Stuver. So, you know, New York City. Well, you watched the game. I, I thought you did. said they were horrible. Well, they were horrible defending. I mean, defending. I mean, the goals were laughable. OK. I mean, they were, go, go watch the goals. The defense was just wide open. Yeah. And if they know. do that against New York City, they better take advantage of those opportunities and put them away. Right. And you, you want to hit them early. You want to hit them early, and hopefully you take the steam out of them, and uh, you know they, they start getting depressed, and uh, they don't want to play anymore. So it's one at a time, that's for sure. That's uh, coming up on uh, Saturday. Again, uh, New York City FC Network, English and Spanish, uh, begins at 7.15 uh, with the pregame show. All right, let's kick it around. All right, the U.S. men's national team, uh, they're going to play Germany soon. Yes. October the 14th, mm-hmm. and the uh, traveling roster was announced today. Greg Berhalter had his presser. As you look through the roster, uh, Roberto, a- any uh, surprises on your end or any omissions? And tell us about the injuries. I know you All right, so up. here we go. The, the, the two big names that aren't there 
Uh, Mark McKenzie, uh, according to Jonathan Tannerwald, uh, has a broken toe. Anthony Robinson has been dealing with a groin injury. So uh, he's not, uh, th those two are going to be missing. So no Jedi for them. Uh, Alejandro Sendejas didn't make the team uh, this time around. And, uh, you know, we'll see. He had a nice goal for America in uh, their win uh, over the weekend. And uh, let me see, who else uh, is there? Oh, well, oh, yeah, the Gio Reyna situation. So Gio Reyna is on the team. Yeah. Uh, so good to see that. And uh, there was one player who was absolutely new and uh, sort of caught me by surprise. Leonard Maloney. That was him. Yes, who's a dual national. Yeah, so we know very little about him. Uh, Greg Berhalter spoke about him uh, uh, briefly and kind of described him as a, uh, a really hardworking midfielder, kind of plays with joy, and I think he adds a little bite to the midfield. That's one of the things uh, that um, uh, Berhalter suggested. The well, other... Um, I was going to give you a little bit of who he is. Okay, so... Right, go for here it. We go. Okay, so uh, he plays for a team in Germany now called Heidenheim, which I'm not exactly familiar with i apologize but i'm being i'm being 100 honest here so um they, they've um so that's who he's with he's played 41 games for them has a goal before that he played two games with borussia dortmund but mostly he's played for borussia dortmund's second team where he had 61 61 appearances and he had two goals uh, started with Union Berlin and uh, played for their under-19 team, who had uh, 23 games. He played one game. Where's Where he from? I mean, what part of the world? Uh, uh, or part of the country, I should say. We well, know as far as I know, all it says is that he's from Germany. So, But he's a uh, dual national. Okay. I thought, so he's, so maybe, he's I thought maybe he went to college. How old is he? Uh, Do you have that there? Yes, 23 years old, born right. October 8th, 1999. Now, Christopher Lund is back uh, to uh, play at the back, uh, and he's interesting from a City Football Group perspective. He plays for Palermo, one of the uh, 13 satellite clubs, which includes New York City FC. That's in Serie B in Italy, and uh, he, uh, he, got, he, got his, uh, he got a couple of games. Oh, he started against Omar uh, in that last uh, friendly sequence, and uh, he did a pretty good job on the left side, so uh, you need depth at left back, and uh, this guy seems to to provide some of it. I think the the interesting uh, thing is in goal. Ethan Horvath and Matt Turner are the goalkeepers. Just two goalkeepers brought in, and they're both competing against each other at Nottingham Forest. Uh, with Turner uh, thus far winning the battle, there's another keeper there that they're also uh, battling against. We haven't uh, seen him yet, but mm -hmm. it's been Turner uh, pretty much all the way. Yes, for, and for we Forrest. presume that that's going to be the case for this time around as well. And Germany with a new coach, Julian Nagelsmann, who I always uh, have adored. He's one of these guys, you know, some people like these kind of coaches, others don't, but he's constantly calculating, switching things up. But I'm, I just always remember reading the story. He was the first coach that um, I knew that did this. He had, so Roberto, imagine that, and this is when he was, uh, what was his first club, Hoffenheim? I think it was Hoffenheim. He had a he had a big screen along one of the touch lines at the training field. Huge. I don't know how many feet, but he utilized it during training where his uh, his staff would actually make clips and he'd stop training and everybody could just stay where they were mm -hmm. positionally on the field. Let's say they were playing 11 aside and they would put the 
put some of the scenarios and here's where you improve. Here's where you should move. You could be better here. And I thought, man, this guy is all right. I had, as far as I know, he was the first guy to, to think about that's doing really that. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's when you take advantage of technology and yeah. uh, you use it to your benefit. Yep. I, I think that's very cool. By the way, so yeah, he was in Munich for a couple of years. Okay. Uh, Leipzig before that, Hoffenheim before that, and Hoffenheim U19. That's he started his career okay. in uh, 2013, his professional career, first team in 2016. And for he, he becomes... I guess the first manager or coach in German history that gets named in mid um what is it um cycle in mid cycle because nobody's ever been fired before nobody's ever been fired before until the <laughs> last time that's pretty interesting yeah and uh, and the other thing about Nagelsmann which uh, when he was at Hoffenheim I think I have this right I know he was in his twenties I think he was twenty eight years old and the head coach of a of a uh, of a Bundesliga side, which, uh, so it's a pretty amazing story. Uh, PGMOL, that's the, the referees association in England. They released an audio exchange. Did you hear uh, this? I didn't hear the exchange, but I heard it's horrific. Oh, that's the VAR, uh, the, the Liverpool, um, Tottenham, Tottenham, uh, or really Tottenham Liverpool result. Uh, and the, the uh, Luis Diaz, uh, goal that was uh, disallowed through a var review but you they did the audio and it was just you know there was some cursing because they couldn't believe that there was a misunderstanding between uh and the thing i put out is if you listen to this audio clip it's like there's people talking over each other it's just like who's talking and there was confusion and at the end of it uh they got it wrong they knew they got it wrong and um so uh, it, it's, if you haven't heard it, you should you should uh, just get on your uh, social media and Google a VAR audio Liverpool and uh, it will pop up. Did you see what uh, Wolves did, by the way? Yeah, they well, they beat Man City. No, no, no. Well, yeah, aside from that, but yeah. what Wolves did was that uh, they, they took Jurgen Klopp uh, talking about that he wanted a replay and, and, and all oh, of this, yeah. and and they sort of uh, put out there on social media, and they have great social media, and they go, oh, well, so you guys got a goal against us last year that uh, shouldn't have allowed. Uh, you weren't, you know, you weren't uh, in favor of replays then. They showed that. <laughs> And of course, you know, obviously everybody's going to advocate for their own team, but Wolves sort of a little bit of a reminder that, yeah, it goes both ways. <laughs> Got to like that. Yes. Uh, let's see. What else do I have up here? Uh, well, we talked about Lionel Messi earlier. Uh, Messi meets America. When's October the 11th? What's today? The 5th. So it's coming up in less than a week. That's going to be a six part documentary series on uh, and his he's missed what the last six games i think now and so uh the messi in america uh well uh it's it's been put to a halt and on pause and if uh, as inner miami uh continues to tumble uh without him you it, it's becoming more and more likely that he's not going to play that, that he's not going to although yeah. although he yeah. was called up by uh oh, scaloni yeah. for the argentine national team and there are three mls players that are called up farias from inter miami as well and tiago almada from atlanta yeah. so uh for all uh the argentinian players out there and players for every other country yeah you can play in mls and make the world champion roster you can make mls you can play in mls and if you stand out you can play for your team as well one final thing, Roberto, and that is the World Cup of 2030 is going to be played in six countries. 
what the, uh, incredible so uh south america will share three including uruguay and it's marking their uh hosting of the very first world cup yes and argentina and argentina and paraguay and paraguay and then it's and spain. chile is like hey what what, what about us <laughs> and then it's spain morocco who am i leaving out uh and the three european sides because i i do not have it in front of was me. it portugal yes so there you go spain portugal and, and Morocco. Uh, Morocco. So one game will be countries. played in each of the three South American countries and then the rest of the event. Uh, the thing that was most disturbing about this, uh, Roberto. The money grab? <laughs> no. Oh. No. Was that immediately after the announcement of this, 2034, Saudi Arabia put, put their bid in for 2034 because it has to be an Asian Oceanic uh region team uh, rather country uh that plays host to this australia new zealand they're in the background will they put in a bid but the thing that was really disturbing was that the it'll be moved to the winter again it'll be moved to the winter again and disrupt the entire european season in particular i i i just i can't I, well i know it, it's all it, about it the worked, money i know it's once, all about they'll the money. do it again well I just hope I'm around. Yeah. Yeah, me too. 2030. <laughs> how old will we be then? Oh, I don't want to. Hey, I'm not saying anything. 34. Uh, that's 11. Yeah. It's, 30, it's is that while, 11? Yeah, 11? 11 years. Yes. Oof. All right. I don't know if we'll still be doing this, but uh, well, we'll see. We just want to still be around. Yeah. I, <laughs> that would be nice. We just want to still be around. All right. So uh, a reminder again uh, to tune into our uh, live commentary. We'll be at Audi Field, Roberto and I, with our broadcast partners. Uh, Ariel Hudis uh, for uh, the Spanish side with Roberto, Maddie Lawrence with myself. In our nice glass cages. We'll be in our glass cages. And if the ball is more than five or six feet off the ground, we won't be able to see it. see it. It's uh, it's just an interesting if viewpoint. If it was played by basketball players, we'd be, you know, all we're seeing <laughs> is shoulders down. The worst, it's the worst press box um, broadcast booth situation in the league. It, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I'll I'll just I'll put it at interesting. And but the last time I was there to do a broadcast, Anton Tinnerholm was my partner. He was uh, suffering from an injury, and he came on, and uh, we had some fun. But I remember him walking in and going like, "Well, where are we doing the game from?" <laughs> I said, "It's right here, bro." So uh, it, it, we just have to deal with it. But it, it, we will we will call a a, a wonderful game. Uh, New York City very positive going into it. It's uh, they really are. Yeah. I mean, they they really, really are. The, the mentality of this team is extraordinary, especially what they've gone through this year. And what else did Perea say? Wow. What, what else did he have to say? Nothing, that he really remember. looks that he really looks forward to these sort of games. And I said, you know, what's the mentality on the club? And he goes, look, I really look forward to these games. This is where, you know, this gets exciting. This is why I love MLS, because, all, all you know, the, these games are all do or die. And uh, I thrive in these situations. So, uh you know, he was happy, smiling, happy, like, let's go. Let's get this. So, uh, well, he played a great ball across the top of the six yard box mm -hmm. uh, at Miami that didn't quite get converted. But he's what we're he going to leave he's been that such a he's been such a positive breath, uh, breath oh, of fresh wonderful. air for this team in the midfield. And I really, really hope that they can find a way to keep him. From Orlando to Philadelphia to New York City FC, Andres Perea, and uh, we'll see him in the 11. I'm uh, certain of that. Uh, that's that's a very yeah, we don't have educated 11, guess. But, uh, we do not have the we 11, do not but, have the eleven, but, but we're uh, pretty certain there'd be very few changes, if any. 
Yeah. All right. So for Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks till Saturday night. Good day, everybody. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play and Apple Podcasts. 